Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Thrilled to be joined for what's been too long of an absence from NCR's intrepid Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent, Timani Carriol of The Guardian. Timani, welcome back to NCR. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm glad to be here after my extensive travels in, in Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa. Really? We've been there recently. <laughs> No, <laughs> that's my excuse. That's my excuse for not being on the on the podcast whatsoever. I've been, you know, Fair. in the field work. doing field work for us, field reconnaissance, exactly. and keeping the beat warm. All those important things. It's an interesting time in tennis. It's been a fairly newsy November. I feel like in a very interesting sort of uh, November as the tour remains sort of in flux. As tennis remains in flux during the pandemic, everything feels new and shifting. And certainly, we see that uh, on the women's side on court with the new sort of pop-up year-end championships that have emerged in Guadalajara, uh, which we'll talk about. We'll also talk about the ATP having its first edition in Torino, uh, which is a less uh, spontaneous development that's been telegraphed for years. That term is going to take over for the from London for that sanction for the year-end championships. And I will pick if I refer to it as both either Turin or Torino at some point. I'm not going to alternate those constantly. But we'll, we'll get to those uh, to my... But the first one I want to... Sorry, I want to get to... To touch on, I do think it sort of impact as as some bigger picture ramifications potentially for the tour is the story that's been in a lot of news lately, and increasingly from players on social media. Naomi Osaka just posted about it within the last hour or so of us recording this about Peng Shuai, the Chinese player who has not played on tour since 2020. I'm not, I'm not sure if she's officially retired or not, but she was a, a longtime fixture in in the tour in the top 50 certainly uh, in singles and got to number one in doubles and won some Grand Slams in doubles. Uh, made a U.S. Open semifinal in singles in 2014. Famously had the heat issue, and tennis fans who were close watchers of women's tennis will definitely remember Peng Shuai uh, and her two-handed style on both sides. Uh, she suddenly made news after, obviously, like I said, sort of being off radar and not playing uh, for a while. She made a post on the Chinese microblogging site Weibo uh, detailing her accusations against a, a government official in China, a former senior government official, uh, Zhang Gaoli, who was a vice premier in China, in the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and part of the government there, the one-party government they have in China, uh, accusing him basically of, after having had a consensual relationship with him, accusing him of sexual assault that happened in 2017. Uh, she said she did not have ways of proving this and compared herself to sort of a moth flying into a flame, knowing the sort of danger ahead of her uh, in the post. Uh, but she put it up, and then within 20 minutes or so, or less than 20 minutes, I believe, it was taken down from the site. Minutes, yeah. yeah, yeah, around 10 minutes. I've heard 10, 12. I, I, I don't know the exact number. Uh, but pretty quickly, it was taken down, and all sorts of wider-spreading censorship was was carried out across Chinese internet. And Chinese internet is its own sort of you know ecosystem in a lot of ways. The Great uh, Firewall of China, they call it. You know, it's its own sort of rules apply there, and great much more censorship. Their searches for for Peng Shuai, for tennis, for Zhang Gaoli's name, all were sort of redacted heavily, and and continue that continues throughout the month of November. This had been posted, and there were certainly news reports about it in the New York Times and Washington Post and other outlets, and it got the attention of really being a Chinese political story more than a, a tennis story. But then it sort of broke into the tennis consciousness uh, over the weekend, I guess, as some 
honestly, this is my framing of it, feel free to dispute this, some more sensationalist stories about it came out, uh, including, like, from Daily Mail, and that made it, like, Peng Shui disappeared, where is she, no one knows, when that didn't seem to, from my reading, to be based on anything, except for the fact that she hadn't posted on social media, and people equated that with her being a missing person. I cannot yeah. confirm or deny that she, that people don't know where she is, but that seemed, that conjecture seemed to be somewhat out of nowhere, but it did really amplify the story and make, seem to raise the stakes for the story for a lot of people. And it caught on much more widely spread to people, tennis players, including Alizé Cornet, famously, frequently outspoken Alizé Cornet was one of the first on it to amplify it, went to, you know, Chris Everett, other figures in the sport. And the WTA actually came out with a statement about it uh, over the weekend. Uh, before I read, I'll read some of the statement uh, in a bit to my, but I, I, I've been monologuing a bit there. Just you want to chime in on any of the sort of things I've de- detailed about the timeline of this, this two weeks of this story. Um, I, I, well, the first thing I, I guess we'll go into more detail about this, but the the kind of well, about the timeline. Okay, I, I, the, the, her her description of being like a moth to a flame. You know, it's, it's obviously incredibly kind of courageous and you know, bold for her to not only speak out about it initially, well, in her, her Weibo account, but also to, from reading the translation, just how detailed and how, you know, just how in-depth it was. It, it was, you know, quite a, a shocking account and, and what it must have taken for her to, you know, press post knowing yeah. what the consequences could be. And following on from that, a, a, I, I was keen to speak about the Daily Mail article because, yeah, I think what what had happened was was that um, a French publication, I think it was Le Monde, Le Monde or yeah. something, mm-hmm. had 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 kind of explicitly said like it clearly had just followed up saying she hasn't posted on her social media since the initial post, um, yeah. and there's and naturally and for very good reason there's a lot of worry about you know where she where she was if she was safe if she was okay right. as, as which is which is shared by everyone and also people when she initially posted and then yes the, the daily mail kind of kind of My, van, it was vanished and it yeah I, the le monde article had disparate which means disappeared in the, in the in the headline and they were using yeah. similar sort of language about she's missing and it struck me just as you know and i, I completely i co-sign what you said like i understand completely the concerns about her safety and her well-being and her whereabouts and all those things are fair. I just didn't get the sense from the Le Monde reporting or from the Daily Mail reporting that either of those outlets and the other people followed suit, certainly on social media, had made any effort to locate her before declaring her missing. No. no. Yeah, that, was my, mean, yeah. that was my sort of feeling. No, I agree. Yeah. That there was no like reporting or anything aside from she hasn't posted on social media and we're, and we're, we're rightfully kind of concern and and yeah it yeah. was definitely sensationalized but as, i mean as you said although it was that i mean those titles were there so that people could view them it, mm-hmm. it has had the kind of positive effect of seemingly pushing everything forward and with yeah. everyone discussing it even more talking people talking about her and kind of you know it, I, I doubt it it's it's a coincidence that the wta's um yeah. statement as we'll discuss as well came came out so, so soon after that so I mean, yeah. it's just a very kind of kind of curious timeline, how how things have played out. But I mean, it's good, uh, not good, but I mean, it's correct that we've reached the point where the the WTA has had to speak out. Yeah, and hasn't I, just continued I, on with this event. I, t- I totally on. agree. Like, it's messy, and it's not. It's an imperfect way 
to get there. But I think through the, the ends justify the means of this sort of media outcry, uh, that it did lead, that it did spur action, it did spur voice from the WTA, who still took 11 days, I think, after her initial post to put out their statement. So it was not speedy compared to the 11 months it took, for example, for the yeah. ATP to, to, to respond to Olga Sharapova's post. And even then it was much less direct. But uh, anyway, so I want to read from Steve Simon's statement, which came out uh, after myself and other people had asked WTA for statements. I'm sure they'd gotten several requests over the last previous, you know, 24, 48 hours um, since, yeah, since the conversation got amplified. Steve Simon in his statement says, I'll read this in full because it's not that long. The recent events in China concerning a WTA player, Peng Shui, are of deep concern. As an organization dedicated to women, we remain committed to the principles we were founded on, equality, opportunity, and respect. Peng Shui and all women deserve to be heard, not censored. Her accusation about the conduct of a former Chinese leader involving a sexual assault must be treated with the utmost seriousness. In all societies, the behavior she alleges that took place needs to be investigated, not condoned or ignored. We commend Peng Shui for her remarkable courage and strength in coming forward. Women around the world are finding their voices so injustices can be corrected. We expect this issue to be handled properly, meaning the allegations must be investigated fully, fairly, transparently, and without censorship. Our absolute unwavering priority is the health and safety of our players. We are speaking out so justice can be done. I was really struck by the forcefulness of this statement from from Steve Simon um, and really sort of drawing some lines and, and making some demands is maybe too strong a word, but like, but sort of putting the cards on the table and saying, here's what we expect, because there's a lot of different ways this could have gone, frankly, in more cowardly ways from the WTA. Distance themselves from Peng Shui, first of all, would have been easy to do theoretically she has not played on tour for over a year she has even played pretty part-time the last several years she's arguably not an active player so but they immediately say she's one of ours she's part of this this group and i think in the article i also quote from from chris clary which had an interview with steve simon uh, that came out later that day there are even further quotes sort of saying you know referring to her as sort of a member of the of the wta family essentially and saying taking real ownership and protection of her and that's something that's I was struck by, and again, as compared to sort of <laughs> other scandals in the sport in the last year, uh, which have been flipped in terms of who's, you know, whether the uh, victim or the accused is a, is a player, sort of the tour assists themselves from responsibility for what happens away from away from the court. So so that w- I was struck by, and also just calling out, and I'll, I'll get to the, the Clary quotes later, actually, um, but let's finish with this statement, and just drawing this line against censorship, when Steve Simon will know that censorship, let's be real, is a core Chinese principle of governance uh, in their in their political system and in their culture. And to, to really call that out and say censorship is unacceptable, I think, sets up a real standoff, you know, and, and really makes the stakes pretty clear and puts the WTA uh, out on a, a, a limb, I guess you could say, or at least on, you know, uh, on less uh, safe ground. Than they might have been otherwise. Um, like I, I agree with most of what you said. I, I do think like they couldn't not kind of claim her. I, I don't think they could distance themselves from her. Okay. What what I what I thought like you know what what I thought what they might do. I mean, just well, I don't didn't know what they'd do, but I thought they might just with the statement focus on her safety and and avoid kind of and just say you know we're. we're you know, we're, we're hoping to, we're trying to reach out to her, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're, we want to ensure that she's safe, whatever. And it kind of ignore the kind of the censorship aspect of their statement. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I, I agree with you that like it was, it was, it certainly, I, I was surprised by 
how they directly addressed it. And I think, you know, some people, were, I saw some people were like, it's not enough. I, I, like, I do think in, in that statement, they it was curious that they, that they didn't actually mention her well-being when people were yes. really concerned about that until, until the interview with Chris Clary. Um, yeah. But I, I, I guess to me, it was it was important, given that she was censored, given that her account was taken down and erased from the internet, that they carried it, that they put it on their, their you know, website on their back, they, and they kind of affirmed what she said. And so, so I think in in that sense, they deserve kudos. I, I for for doing that and not cowering from it. And and as you said, yeah, just that we've seen how it's gone. And again, I'm sure we'll talk more about this with, with the NBA and how China react to, I mean, far less forceful statements, well, not far less from statements from individuals within yeah. the NBA organization, not a whole, the, the actual governing body. So, you know, it was important for them to do that. And, and it was the right thing that they did. I, I think you're right that leaving out the couple of points I want to co-sign, leaving out the safety part, we'll get to that in a second. But I also want to sort of put more of a value judgment on it like, a bit like you did. And obviously I'm often plenty critical of, of governing bodies in tennis, but I feel like they fall short. I was very impressed, I can say, with the, with the WTA statement. I thought this was brave and commendable and showed a, a great deal of integrity. Obviously, there's I'm sure there's calculation behind it. You know, they would get, yeah. you know, a lot of negative press for not coming in support of their player. But I do think there were real stakes for them here. And this is a much more sort of existential issue for them as a business that they're embracing and certainly comparing it to, let's say, allegations against, you know, Zverev or Basilashvili, yeah. which are about one player. And if that, if that player, you know, it, it doesn't hurt the business as crucially as it does to lose the host of 11 tournaments in China and your year in championships and two of your sort of masters type events in uh, Wuhan and Beijing. So we'll, we'll get to the sort of future of, the, of tennis in China in a bit. But yeah, what you said about the, the safety part, especially knowing that they had a, a clear answer for Chris Clare on this part, yeah. maybe not a hundred percent. It is strange. They didn't allude to that at all in the statement. Chris, uh, Chris Clary interviewed Steve Simon later that day. And Simon told him in the New York times, we've received confirmation from several sources, including the Chinese tennis association that she is safe and not under any physical threat. But then Chris writes, but Simon said that no one associated with the WTA tour, including officials and active players have been able to reach her directly to confirm her status. My understanding is that she is in Beijing in China, but I can't confirm that because I haven't spoken directly with her, Simon said. So it's interesting. I mean, clearly, I, I don't know what exa- how close they're getting to her in terms of, you know, sources and or, or confidants or friends of hers on tour or what to give them some assurances to because it would seem like sounding an alarm would be a thing to do if there were if there was cause for alarm and WTA is decidedly not doing that. So okay. I read I read a decent amount of confidence to that statement. I know it was unsatisfying for some people especially having the Chinese Tennis Association, which is government-affiliated, as yeah. a source. Um, but at least for me, I, I I sort of read credibility in, into that assessment from WTA. I mean, I, I believe that they. it does seem like they've done it as much as they can. And that, it, I mean, just from that, from, from him stating that, the, the different kind of people they've reached out to. I, 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 like, personally, I, I am quite still... It is still concerning to me just just that yeah, they sure. weren't able to reach her, you know, in, in this world of and just be, and just because she's safe now doesn't mean she will be going forward. Yeah, yeah, that that they couldn't just like call her. That's that's concerning, you know. Yeah, it. I I do believe that from what they've said that they're they're trying their hardest to reach her, and 
Yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see how that ends up. Because I mean, again, I'm, I'm we we know how this can go, and and I think it's un, until I mean, I just think it. I, I still think it's quite concerned until it's we're certain where she is. You know how she is. Uh, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I'm just yeah. It's still concerning. Obviously, anyone who's followed Chinese culture and news and current events in the last few years will know there's an absolute pattern of, of high-profile people who've expressed some sort of dissidence or nonconformity or something uh, with the ideals that the party wants uh, have been disappeared, you know, to use the, the yeah. verb as a transitive verb uh, for disappeared. Um, yeah, so, so obviously there's a lot of concern and, and not out of the woods and would like to see some assurances that she's safe and preferably somewhere safe outside China. But also, I don't know that her being unresponsive immediately confirms that she's unsafe. I think she could also just yeah, be yeah. in hiding and, and things like that that yeah. are, that are yeah. uh, less imperiled. So, and I'll just say, like, as, as we, we talked, again, we talked about the Daily Mail article. Um, and, you know, what again, while that has had, had a good, had a positive effect of pushing it, the timeline forward, I, I do think, like, again, yeah, we should be kind of mindful of what's reported and what we read and, and kind of be sure that there's reporting behind it and that, you know, that just that facts are, that follow facts instead of sensationalism because that there's, you know, it could be the case that down the line that it, something doesn't have the, the positive effect if you go on. So, yeah, I, I think we should just take heed of that. Hello, this is Ben cutting into the show during the editing process a day later to give you an update on things that have happened in the story since Tumani and I recorded this episode, which we did on Tuesday. It's posting Wednesday. But earlier on Wednesday, uh, there was a statement that was released by Chinese state-affiliated media, CGTN, and probably other outlets from them, uh, screenshotting an email which it said Peng Shui has sent to Steve Simon, the WTA chairman, uh, which it said reads, and I'll read it in full, with, I think, necessary incredulity. Hello, everyone. This is Peng Shui. Regarding the recent news released on the official website of the WTA, the content has not been confirmed or verified by myself, and it was released without my consent. The news in that release, including the allegation of sexual assault, is not true. I'm not missing, nor am I unsafe. I've just been resting at home and everything is fine. Thank you again for caring about me. If the WTA publishes any more news about me, please verify it with me and release it with my consent. As a professional tennis player, I thank you all for your companionship and consideration. I hope to promote Chinese tennis with you all if I have the chance in the future. I hope Chinese tennis will become better and better. Once again, thank you for your consideration. Obviously, this letter was viewed with immediate skepticism upon its release from Chinese state media, including by the recipient of the email, Steve Simon of the WTA, who responded a couple hours later, saying, The statement released today by Chinese state media concerning Peng Shui only raises my concern as to her safety and whereabouts. I have a hard time believing that Peng Shui actually wrote the email we received or believes what is being attributed to her. Peng Shui displayed incredible courage in describing an allegation of sexual assault against a former top official in the Chinese government. The WTA and the rest of the world need independent and verifiable proof that she is safe. I have repeatedly tried to reach her via numerous forms of communications to no avail. 
Peng Shuai must be allowed to speak freely, without coercion or intimidation from any source. Her allegation of sexual assault must be respected, investigated with full transparency, and without censorship. The voices of women need to be heard and respected, not censored nor dictated to. So that was the statement from Steve Simon in response to the statement attributed to Peng Shuai by Chinese state media, which, again, met with great skepticism and honestly is only making people far more concerned about her safety to see something that looks that incredibly sus attributed to her. I think the alarms and the hackles of myself and others about her safety are definitely higher than they were 24 hours ago. So with that, back to the rest of Timani and Mai's conversation. You wrote an article in 2019 when the first edition of the WTA finals in Shenzhen were being held for the Guardian, yeah. uh, they're being held under sort of the cloud of anti-government protests, sovereignty protests, I'm not exactly sure what to call the protests in, in Hong Kong, looking for greater distance or more autonomy for Hong Kong and this sort of awkward relationship they have with the, with the Chinese mainland, uh, having transitioned from being a British property to a, uh, a Chinese territory in the 90s. With all those sorts of backgrounds and all the sorts of stuff we know about, China, China as a complicated place, uh, both with human rights issues, uh, both in terms of, you know, general repression and, and censorship of the whole population, and then also specific issues like with the Uyghurs and, and internment camps over in, in Western China for Muslim populations. What do you think in that backdrop of, and if you can want, I'm guessing you remember your 2019 piece, sort of paraphrasing the the, the volatile ground or the 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 compromise that maybe women's tennis is make was making by pushing so heavily into China and the strategy that, you know, people nicknamed WT Asia, uh, of, of them going for it and, and putting more of their, two of their top nine events, uh, in, on the tour two of their masters events, essentially. And then also the year in championships, which came with record breaking prize money totals. Ash Barty, people remember won more than $4 million for being the champion of that Shenzhen tournament, uh, in front of a not full stadium, I will add. Um, so it's sort of just weird optically thing. And yeah, what I think you said basically in this article, this actually was already quoted this week uh, on the Body Surf podcast. This has been a popular, uh, very prescient source for you. You wrote in your conclusion, the WTA has unwittingly landed in the middle of the biggest sports politics story of the year in regard to Hong Kong, you were saying. But you wrote, but that was its choice. More stories like this one will unfold over the next weeks, months, and years. Questions will be asked of where the WTA stands and how much its money means to it. The organization will be judged accordingly. So strong, very precious stuff from from Tumani Carey all there. How, how do you how do you feel hearing that back? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's true, right? And I think I mean at the time it, it felt like China, um, the WTA was making, you could say, a deal with the devil. You know, it, and and I think it's also you know this is a, you know, sports washing is kind of. The, yes. You know, in, in the way it's a kind of very prominent topic right now. And you, you look at kind of FIFA. Can, can you can you define that term for people who may not have heard of sports washing? Um, it, just just where countries, whether it's authoritarian countries, countries with human rights issues, use sports as a way to kind of cleanse the image and, and to yeah. you know, put forward, put forward uh, how they want to be viewed to the world and... and and it, and we see that with the World Cup in in Qatar, you know, yeah. as Qatar trying to put put forward a certain image while under the surface workers have been dying while trying to build their stadiums and while yeah. there's corruption and all of that stuff and 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 similarly with 
with China and and tennis and and being able to use tennis as as a vehicle to promote China to the world and and things like that. Um, and with with like tennis, it's it's I think it's like a bit more complicated because this is a worldwide tour, right? And there's a lot of kind of benefit to to being in to the tour, tour being in different countries and allowing the sport to grow there and giving players everyone opportunity. And so, like yeah. you mentioned, that, that kind of that it's the aggression with which they've driven, gone into China. You know, yeah. ten years ago, the, the, the in 2011, the year that um, Lina won the French Open, I think there were two tournaments. The China Open and Guang, Guangzhou, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And in 2019, there were nine. And essentially, like, post-US Open, you could basically just go to China and live there until the end of the season because almost every week had a tournament. So Magda Lynette did, yeah. <laughs> the, the way that it's developed, and uh, to, to me, it's kind of has been a deal with the, the devil in a way. And, you know, we knew yeah. all of these things about um, the way China dealt with dissidents and and the way they the censorship and all of these things we knew already and, and they knew already and they chose to 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 yeah. move forward in such an aggressive way and and partner with it and and this is kind of the result and and they'd say and we, i mean we've seen the, the result in obviously multiple ways and i guess kind of less n- nefarious ways when, when you look at just financially how the last two years have gone in terms of you know covid and not being able to even have tournaments there and then you have this side in terms of the, the human rights aspect, and you know I'm sure the WTA just just like the way they said we 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 couldn't anticipate COVID, they'd say we couldn't anticipate Peng Shuai coming out and and t- t- speaking about her about being yeah. sexually abused by by someone sexually assaulted by someone so high up in the government, but you know something was bound to happen. This is kind of where we are and I, I you know I, I think so so in my sorry I'm, I'm speaking a lot but in my opinion it was a it was a bad shouldn't have the doctor shouldn't have ever been you know so aggressive in you know taking China money ch- ch- taking the money from Chinese tournaments and and going you know essentially shaping the top part a large part of their tour around yeah. the country and and also now I don't think there's a future here. I, I, I think that's the next step. I don't, when when one of their players, as you said, they've they've claimed her as, as one of their own. And when we see Naomi Osaka, Alize Kone, when we see how so many players are concerned about their fellow colleague and someone they know and they've seen around for many years, like it can't be that they continue to yeah. operate in any when it will operate I just I don't see a future here after how this has transpired. No, no, even if even if it turns out that Feng Shui is is safe and she goes, you know, and she goes on and travels and joins the tour again, I I think that's it. I think we've reached that point here where they can't go on like this. Yeah, I want to I want to get to your conclusion in a minute because I I think I largely agree with it. I want to before you get there though, like I do remember being at the press conference in Melbourne when they announced the ten year deal to host the tour finals in Shenzhen for, I believe, $140 million was going to be the cumulative prize purse uh, of this uh, event, $14 million a year. Massive, massive, way ahead of what the men were getting at this point. Uh, big step up but from, which they, from which Singapore. They, which they stressed numerous yes. times. Yes. Yes. And so, and the money was sort of really the, the justification for it in a lot of ways. And there were 
other bidders, I think Guadalajara actually was one of the bidders back then uh, in that cycle. And also uh, St. Petersburg, Russia and Prague, I believe, uh, were also sort of more traditional tennis foundations uh, that were were bidding in this cycle. I remember at that press conference asking Steve Simon about, which I don't like doing, but about kind of myself, because I had had experiences trying to go to yeah. China in uh, 2014 when Lena was retiring. I got tipped off by her management, basically, that she was going to retire in China or announce her retirement, retirement during the Chinese swing and have a ceremony during Wuhan and press conference in Beijing and all sorts of stuff. And I'd wanted to go to, to the China tournaments before, and that really you know, made me want to go. So I... I applied for a, a journalist visa uh, at the Washington consulate of the Chinese government and uh, waited and waited and waited. And basically it just never got approved because we, uh, it seemed obvious that because of my connections to the New York times, which is an organization, which the Chinese government does not want <laughs> operating and roaming about its borders, even something as innocuous and probably gonna be a totally positive story about like the legacy of Lina in China. And I had actually like, I think Lina's like management, I think sent over like a letter. I don't know. It wasn't literally from her, but someone in her management team saying like, please let him in or something. And it didn't move, you know, the needle. And and so, and I knew once the tour finals had moved to Shenzhen, like, oh, well, pretty much there goes my chance of ever going to the tour finals again, or at least in the next 10 years, <laughs> because I just, I, this is not workable. And so again, I'm not a high state. That's they, I'm not saying any sort of ego, they should make decisions around me. But from the beginning, there were, you know, clear compromises that come with taking the Chinese money, with taking that bargain and lots of different ways, not just, you know, media access, but other things too. Yeah. And so to your, your point that you made, I do think, especially with the way I, I sort of, what I highlighted in Steve Simon's statement about um, his focus on sort of larger political things, not just, he didn't keep it just sort of to Peng Shui and her personal safety. He made it about bigger issues of censorship and equality and, and things like that, that I think I agree. I think this was him sort of essentially saying like, well, this could be it for us in China and this has become untenable and, but we're forced into a corner and here's what we have to do from this sort of moral standpoint. Uh, and he was asked about that in the conclusion of the piece by Chris Clary. Steve Simon concluded in the at least the original version of the story with Chris Clary, he said, if at the end of the day, we don't see the appropriate results from this, we, we would be prepared to take that step and not operate our business in China if that's what it came to. Which again, I was struck by just sort of the finality or possibility of, of that and the stakes of this. Again, what you said happened in an unpredictable way. It's an unpredictable flashpoint of, you know, Chinese tennis star accuses senior government official of assault. That's yeah. unforeseeable in that way. But also maybe it was a house of cards all along. Maybe it always was going to crash really fast because I just don't like you're saying in terms of your sort of putting a bit of a death certificate on the WT Asia as a concept. Like, I mean, obviously, there's only refer to China itself, although that really was the brunt of WT Asia as a strategy it really was about yeah. China. And, and, um, and I should, should know that like with, with the kind of expansion into China, you, the, for example, the, the event in Tokyo, that was a tier one that got downgraded was is no yeah don't, yeah it was yeah. all it was very much china we'll, we'll get, to, get i want to get to that in a second sort of the knock on effects of, of what this could mean the what a retreat from china could mean and and, and a reset but yeah this is basically them saying like once it, if it's a house of cards it all collapses quickly and everything's gone and that could, it's unforeseeable in that way but also it was always fragile all along 
I think I'm kind of repeating myself here, but you're right. A lot of resources and tournaments and sanctions were shifted to China away from places in the whole rest of the world, basically, including right elsewhere in Asia, in Tokyo, um, which used to be a, a tier one or a WTA would not be premier thousand got downgraded to being a 500 or a tier two. Uh, other tournaments as well, you know, like the San Diego tournament, which was a tier two, got moved to China sanction-wise, the WTA uh, tournament there, and lots of other ones. And and now we're seeing with Guadalajara, I think most vividly, because it's so clearly a transfer from one place to another in terms of an event. Uh, and the WTA finals did not happen at all in 2020 due to COVID. We're now seeing like what the kids on the internet would call a nature is healing moment kind of with the tour oh, where sure, yeah. where the Chinese, the gravity of the money in China that was pulling all these planets being tournaments towards that sun, that bright, you know, $14 million sun. Now it's gone and things are kind of resetting and people are finding in tournaments and people are finding new spots around the globe. And a lot of them in markets that are, more traditional. I mean, Guadalajara is an interesting sort of middle case because it has not met, there's, it's the biggest tournament ever in Mexico. And I think probably by some measures, the biggest tournament ever in Latin America at all, in terms of prestige being the year in championships in Latin America. But it's also like a country that's familiar with tennis. Like Acapulco has yeah. been a big tournament in Mexico for years. They've had Monterrey, they had other events Los as well. Cabos, yeah. yeah, Los Cabos. And it's like, it's a, it's more of a dormant market than a, a new market per se. I think that goes for a lot of Latin America. And I think that goes for a lot of European places too, you know, that are, there's a new premier event. This is not part of the China wave really, but like Berlin is getting a tour event uh, back on grass. Like there's other sorts of places that have been overlooked that if you free up these assets that were hoarded by China, you could have the tour be richer in a lot of other places and have it be honestly, maybe a little bit less fully worldwide. Like if you're, yes, you're skipping over the billion people who live in in the China market, a significant uh, section of humanity, but, you know, there's a lot of places uh, in the world that can support more tournaments. And we were seeing that on both the men's and women's tours in this year with uh, a lot of these pop-up tournaments, uh, these one-year deals, in especially American cities, was pretty vivid, vivid, like in ATP in San Diego, showing up and doing very well uh, with no sort of prep time and just being a natural American big city in a good spot on the calendar for Indian Wells uh, being very successful as an event. Uh, the WTA series of events in Chicago also getting good crowds and bringing uh, another major American city uh, into into the, into the mix once more. I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially with COVID, which has given this really clean break in the calendar from China. I mean, there's no Chinese events imminent on the calendar. There haven't been any events in China for a long time. I think there really is potentially, if, I don't think the 2023 calendar is out yet, or 2022 even calendar has been announced yet. We don't know if they're playing in Brisbane in like five weeks. So yeah, I I, I think there's a real opportunity for a reset here and it could be uh, something for tennis to move towards less risky markets. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and, and so I guess I have a few things. Like the, the first thing is um, like you, you mentioned Steve Simon's statement and how he said it's essentially that if the action that they're expecting isn't, you know, they expect action to be taken. And I, I mean, I'd hope when I'm sure, I guess I'm sure he, uh, Steve Simon and WTA are well aware that in the bigger picture, the WTA is a tiny organization that, you know, China is a, an enormous country in, in a world where, yeah. um, so in, in a world where most big countries are, are wary of, you know, 
are unable to influence China or unable or and are, are you know yeah. wary of them and Joe and, Biden can't get China to do things. I'm not sure Steve it, Simon can. Yeah, like and I, yeah, and yeah. You're, you're you're right. And I, I just, just finish what you're saying. I do agree. I would be surprised. Not I mean it's not impossible, but I would be surprised if this if Steve Simon's urgency and Naomi Osaka and all these other people from outside the borders, international voices, their outcries will lead to any sort of justice in this case, yeah. or even investigation or transparency, the other things they're asking for, I, I, I would be very surprised. Yeah, so I hope and I mean, they should be ready to, to take those next steps and to, to move elsewhere, in my opinion. And, and I guess this, the second thing I'd say is that I'm sure, like many people would, would point out that, you know, and, and what I was kind of, I didn't fully kind of elaborate on, is that the, as a worldwide tour, there are kind of numerous uh, quote, quote unquote risky markets you know yeah. the, the WTA, the WTA finals could have gone to St Petersburg for example in, in Russia mm -hmm. you know given how the Russian government functions functions there or, or other and the other countries um I mean it's it's hard you know it's a question of where, where do you even draw, draw the line I mean uh, in terms of you know what governments around the world human rights abuses all of that stuff yeah. but and so so again like I guess the, the thing I mean going back to it is just the 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 aggression with which the, the WTA went into China with and, and how much it has how much of the tour it has become is just it shouldn't happen. It just you know that that can't continue like that. And so I mean yeah and, and that can't be the case with really any country <laughs> particularly ones with, with such you know problematic you know yeah governance and and that no, goes to and that, that, that's meant that's many countries around the world i mean many countries so so yeah uh, I, I guess yes so yes things need to change and i mean i i agree with kind of what you said about that, that there's opportunities and, and guadalajara again it's kind of as you mentioned earlier it's kind of a funny moment to just see these two things not funny but like to see these two things happen like simultaneously to see like yeah. the the potential of, of women's tennis and and what can happen if if the product is better on if you know the right things you know the right steps are taken and you know it, it, no the, the the prize money in Guadalajara, Guadalajara is is five million but that especially because it's not me getting paid that that missing nine million dollars <laughs> was never heading into my bank account that's with due respect to the top eight women who you know are big stars and earned that money on some level or it was there for them and then they took it. Uh, everything about the experience of watching Guadalajara for me is so much superior to the experience of watching Shenzhen. Uh, first of all, no crappy, glacially slow indoor court, uh, which the WTA finals in both Shenzhen and Singapore and later years of Singapore had devolved into this like super, super slow surface that made for really uh, grueling, physical, honestly unattractive play. Uh, Guadalajara has been peppy and light and the stands have been full with really passionate fans in a smaller venue, but but full and 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 brimming and and been great. I think it's been better atmosphere than Torino, honestly, this week. Also, in parts I haven't seen, you know, all of Torino, but in the parts I have seen, I I would take the Guadalajara yeah. energy and just seeing and seeing that enthusiasm again for people. You know, there's this is the biggest event in this area, and we'll get to Muguru's in a second. But her take her seeing her there makes me think it's all worth it too. Yeah, and and I, I just add to that like, you, we want the sport. To, the, the aim should be for the sport to grow and. Yeah. and grow and grow and i'm sure that anyone watching guadalajara and seeing the passion and seeing 
just the vibes and and how that reflects on the court is probably it's I'm sure it's, it's far more willing, likely to watch again than watching the empty stands of of, of Shenzhen where right you know because really the only and slow courts yeah go on. the only attractive thing about Shenzhen as a package compared to Guadalajara is the money and money, yeah. and I just feel like I was I, I was I wasn't using this language but like on some level when you're giving money that so clearly outpaces the interest in the event and the sort of on the ground prestige of the event or the sort of value there, it feels fraudulent is too strong a word, but it feels hollow. Like what is it? It it was just like, yeah, it didn't have the real value to it. And you've seen people like Darren Cahill, like lots of other people in the sport speak glowingly about Guadalajara and saying, this is the kind of atmosphere you should have for what should be a real showcase event. And this is the WTA's, showcase tournament this is the one tournament they own it's no no other owner of it this is like every year people are i'm always surprised to see what a huge percentage of both tours revenues actually comes from their year-end championships on each tour it's a major major whatever the opposite of loss leader is like gain leader uh for the tour both tours and their financial structures and yeah and i and i one of my favorite tournaments i've ever been to and you were there to uh istanbul (laughs) i loved istanbul and istanbul is one of my favorite you know stops on the tour that i've ever had in, in my roughly decade of doing this because there was this incredible passion matches were great first of all and the structure of the tournament was great and the scheduling was great you had like three singles matches a session it was really great jam-packed value there and, and condensed and and you had this enormous passionate crowd show up and really get engaged and that's what it deserves and i don't i think i think the players i think women's tennis as a concept and as a as a entity sort of deserves better than what it gets from china and there's more there's more value to it than just selling out. And I do understand arguments that I've heard from people who are supporters of WTA Asia as a concept with varying levels of cynicism. And cynicism is fair when you're talking about running a business. You know, say, but this money that we get in in China for for the WTA keeps everything else afloat and really subsidizes the tour. I'm like I get that, but at the same time, like that's sort of like justifying, I don't know, like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue because it justifies the rest of their journalism or something. I mean, you know, there there are like compromises and and how much you're willing to sell out at different points, and I'm all for not selling out when possible. And I feel like Guadalajara yeah. is just so good in so many pure ways as a product yeah. and as a celebration of women's tennis that it's been it's been really a nice sort of palate cleanser. And and I don't think you can an ultimate like I don't think you can say this is a WTA we stand for you know equality human rights no. blah 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 and then take the money that just I, I, the WTA have tried to have it both ways but you can't and and this is the this is the cold cold reality so, all the you, way back to virginia and, and, slims they've tried to have yeah. it both ways but yeah but but even that's kind of at least in, in my mind that's that's minor you know extremely minor compared compared to this even you know your sports illustrated swimsuit minor compared to this you know this is a yeah this is such a colossal like in my mind it, it's such a colossal like compromise and and yeah. again and, and to, to go back to you know what what I thought back in Shenzhen you know this isn't just like from from anyone really a, a new topic like I I didn't at some point I just felt like something would happen that would make that clear and this is where we are now in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. And these 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 inflection points come in unexpected ways, you know. And that's one of the fascinating things about tennis is how tied up it is in the world and in culture and in society and geopolitics 
and these sorts of things. And that makes it both very vibrant and very lively and also very tenuous and, 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 uh, you know, volatile and, and unstable yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Thinking back to like Shahar Pair in Dubai is the only other sort of yeah. comparable sort of moment I can think of, uh, yeah. in recent history, and, at least. Yeah. I kind of, I've said this a few times, but it's, it's as a global tour that is going to different parts of the world, it, you know, it's, it's hard to avoid them. You know, it, it's, you know, it's it's difficult to avoid them, but there are step, there are kind of lines that you could, that shouldn't that be crossed. Shouldn't, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's some things that are debatable, and to me, like there's some things that yeah. aren't. And in my opinion, in my just one, my one person opinion of one person, I, I I don't I was never comfortable with you know money justifying or what it meant to have so much of the you know so much of the tour yeah. in China, subsidized by China, but etc yeah no you're right and and you're right and then also we look at where else you know you mentioned russia you look at you know doha dubai yeah. other countries with various obviously issues that are different scales and different sorts of topics and even istanbul i mean <laughs> you know turkey's government certainly was not perfect and was doing lots yeah. of sports washing and during their yeah. olympic bid uh, when they were hosting yeah. the uh the thing so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, so, so I'm sure some people would point out that Great Britain, we we suck. Oh I, my I gosh, no! Of course, the United States. We got um, lots of things wrong with us. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have we have more mass shootings than tennis tournaments, uh, for starters. Uh, but yeah, there's yeah, like lots of lots of countries. Uh, you know, it it, it yeah, there's more relativism that's that's a tricky slope to navigate once you start getting down it. Um, yeah. And and judging how far is too far and what's what's yeah. right and wrong. But I think that clearly the Peng Shui situation was a, uh, a a red line being crossed and yeah uh we'll see yeah i just i i think you're right i think this is i i, I just find it really hard to imagine the sort of what reconciliation would look like especially again because there is this sort of reset moment happening on the tour and it's not like because the tournament had to be kind of actively added back to the schedule and yeah. to be clear there would be downsides certainly for chinese tennis fans who are numerous in the millions yeah. Uh, to lose their footprint on the tour. Also, we haven't mentioned, but the men's tour also has footprint in, in Asia yeah. or in China, and they have a, a Masters event in Shanghai. They also play the China Open as a 500-level event. Uh, the ATP yeah. put out a statement backing the WTA, nowhere near as forceful language, but sort of showing some a little bit of support for the WTA, saying they you know support WTA's call for a full, fair, and transparent investigation to allegations. Didn't go for the whole, sort of more cultural, like hitting the censorship note way, uh, but yeah, but yeah, I want to talk about Guadalajara and I've, I've sort of gushed praise for it. I've just been in the right mood. I've had major FOMO for Guadalajara also partially because it really is reminding me of Istanbul, which I previously mentioned as a, as a tour stop that I will always cherish the memories of in many ways, uh, a great time in my early sort of touring career as a writer in 2012 and 2013, going to that tournament. Uh, and you were there and it was also lovely to have you there. And seeing Guadalajara, yeah, I've had definite FOMO thinking that, oh, I should, even though there was someone else in the times going there, like I should have gone and like bought my ticket because it's not, it's relatively close. It's probably like, I don't know, a four hour flight from DC to get to Guadalajara, relatively cheap trip is staying within North America. And <laughs> it might be with, I, like I said, who knows if they, if it does revert to Shenzhen, like, which I thought it was going to before all this stuff, stuff happened, who knows if I'll ever get to go to a WTA tour champs again. Uh, so it's looked great. 
I think it's I think it's been a really good product. I think actually the conditions of play, which were a big cause for concern early on, the altitude and using these differently pressured balls, there's a lot of concern with that. But I guess the on-court product, I think, looks really solid. I think it's it, the players are playing attractive tennis, fun to watch tennis, active tennis. It rewards attacking. It's not like the attritional uh, tennis we've seen before in Shenzhen and in Singapore, uh, those really slow courts. And I, I just think it's been nifty as heck i think it's been lovely i i really enjoy it and i like seeing women show women's tennis uh look good and i think it's i think it's looked good in this time when it's this tournament's really without a superstar unless you're going to yeah. call, call muguruza a superstar which i don't think is globally accurate no yeah. she's obviously a big star in latin america but i don't think she has that sort of uh you know large reach of of someone of players who did pull out of this event like uh osaka effectively pulled out she didn't qualify ultimately but she uh, she, prob- she probably would have if, if she if she played the whole season she likely would have. Yeah. Oh yeah, if and, she played the whole season yeah, yeah. definitely. And then and exactly. Barty Ash Barty is, is number one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so and what sort of a and obviously Venus and Serena still being huge stars. Serena especially, you know, starting the year so strong in in Australia, pulling back from the tour. This was not a full strength lineup in some ways for women's tennis. And women's tennis is still in the state of flux and lots of. It's, t- it's tough to know which of these rising stars to latch your wagon onto, uh, you know, because fortunes are changing and ups and downs are happening. Some, I don't want to exaggerate that too much. Cause I do think everyone who's there is there very credibly, to be clear. Um, but it's also, yeah, it, it's, you have, this was really an event that was event driven more than star driven in a way that I think was actually fairly unusual for an elite tennis tournament. Like there was no clear protagonist to this event uh, when it showed up in Guadalajara. And I think that I feel like Muguruza has emerged as that even before the tournament, just seeing her in pre-press and how positive she was and her clear joy to be playing a, a tournament of this caliber in uh, Latin America, being from Venezuela, as people sort of overlook, she is Venezuelan yeah. uh, and represents Spain, uh, but she was born there and raised in Venezuela and started playing tennis in Venezuela, made the choice to represent Spain, uh, but it's clearly still very attached to Latin American culture. And, and that's really carried her through. And I actually asked her, I'll put in a clip here. I asked her after she won her semifinal match against fellow Spaniard Paula Bedosa about just her sort of uh, joie de vivre or whatever the Spanish phrase for that would be uh, in in Mexico, which I think has been really apparent and and fun to watch. And it's been carrying her to some great tennis. Okay, thanks, Courtney. We'll go to Ben Rothenberg. Ben, your name and affiliation and question, please. Sure. Hi, Garbinia. Congratulations. Ben Rothenberg, NCR podcast. We talked before the tournament, or you you spoke about how special it was for you to be playing in Latin America, and obviously this has turned into a really great week for you results-wise. I'm just wondering how much that sort of sense of this opportunity and this rare occasion of getting to play in this sort of atmosphere in front of these people um, has been something that's been driving you or keeping you, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a positive place in your game and in your mind uh, over the course of this tournament. Yeah, I mean, like you said, rare occasion, um, probably once in a lifetime opportunity for me in my career to play a Masters in Mexico. Um, so it's a, it's a cocktail that for me it's like super motivating and uh yeah I every time I came here in Mexico I always feel very welcome and very happy and you know the environment I just it just clicks with me and having a master's played this year is it was like okay Garbina this is your opportunity you gotta give it all you no matter you win or lose but you you know you have to get out of here and feeling like man I I gave all my energy and you know yeah and I think I'm doing that yeah, I mean, I, I just gen, gen, I, I co-sign what you said, basically. But but yeah, I, I think, I mean, j- just like you said, just the fact that, there were, you know, that 
oh, in the end, there was what one grand, one slam champ, major champion from this year at the WTA finals, which is crazy. Damn. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just only, and it's and that's Barbara Krejcikova, who honestly yeah. almost no tennis fans had heard of a year ago. Yeah, who, yeah, who you just have to, to think about. Um, yeah, and and so and yeah, so so to, to see this amount, this crowd, and this just the atmosphere, given all all of that, just it's at least for me, like that should be kind of a point of hope and a point of kind of understanding of of kind of the ability for the sport to attract fans to, to be entertaining to grow and you know i think obviously people would point out that um tickets were i mean as in istanbul like tickets were cheaper maybe and mm-hmm. and all that stuff and, and more accessible and, and that's that helped to bring big crowds but that should be I'm like that it should yeah and but <laughs> i mean that's a good thing for, for the public as well and um, it should just, yeah, to me, it should just be a point of hope that to that this sport is capable of, you know, bringing in, in fans and, and being attractive, you know, to, to, to different people who watch it and, and not See, just kind of, and, and bet, I guess I'd say just to come back to the original point, I'm, I'm betting on, on the sport rather than just the money. Yeah. Because to get to something I said earlier, my whole sort of fraudulent, uh, piece earlier like just what is the message when you're playing a high level tournament whether it's wuhan or or the shenzhen or you know and there's some others too but those are the ones that come to mind that really had the low crowds what does it say when you're playing like one of your biggest tournaments in front of nobody like that's just weird right that's weird can we step back and think about how weird that was for the last like eight years that's weird yeah that's that's not how it should be it's weird and, and it's even like it's kind of insulting when the the response is no but the money but 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 look at the prize money but look at that four million dollar check that yeah. ashbati has isn't that amazing you know <laughs> I, I don't think yeah i don't think that's a it good just feels like money laundering or something when just like it doesn't add up yeah it's uncomfortable it's not, for me yeah. yeah it's illogical and or just it's just visually uncomfortable yeah. and gross no i just say i agree it's it's been just kind of wholesome tournament in a way and and also yeah. there's there's been kind of great i mean great performances beyond that you know seeing contivate continue her, her run you know from just i mean that that whole run to, to make it here was incredible and she's kept on going but also again you know one in the worlds made the semis so, so yeah it, it's been without the stars and without you know without the people who the, the players who kind of you hope would will bring bigger audience, even bigger audiences and global stars and whatever. It, it's It's been just a, a nice, pleasant week of seeing, of competitive tennis with, it's, uh, it's in, been with an environment. And, and like reaffirming too. Like I just yeah. feel like, especially because Guadalajara, and I, I don't want to take away credit from people who clearly deserve it in Guadalajara for making that event a success on very short notice and getting the stands full and getting the stadium looking really good. Actually, I think it's a nice looking venue. Um, yeah. And I've heard around the grounds, there's lots of like food and lots of alcohol and the people are having a night, a good time in Guadalajara without discounting all that really hard work. I think the short notice of which of which tennis comes up and succeeds on pretty short notice on in a relatively, you know, random place, you know, the seventh largest city in Mexico, roughly like I, I think it shows 
great strength and resilience and that women's tennis hopefully going forward can believe in itself and and believe in itself as a product and, and investors can believe in it and it doesn't need to compromise and, and sell out to china in the future yeah. um, and i should say i, I enjoyed a, a tweet from a tennis fan um called fernando a mexican tennis fan who was there and posted like a, a picture of just the full crowds you know mm -hmm. and the the caption is when will china <laughs> maybe never it, maybe yeah. never and, and i mean that just i mean that just reflects how the actual fans themselves you know want to consume the, the tennis and there's to and be clear there's lots of xenophobia in various fandom and people course, getting yeah. mad when there's when there's tournaments that are out of their time zone and and i'm not accusing fernando that specifically but i'm i'm just saying yeah. like people are resentful of tennis it's inconvenient to them which is fair and tennis makes itself hard to follow no other sport asks its people asks its fans to know time differences and all these different time zones and to adjust their lives to follow the sport uh you know and be so a biorhythmic um yeah it, it, it it's it's complicated and I'll, honestly it's really nice also having the tour finals for me, especially as a North American or as a Western Hemisphere person, uh, in a time zone that doesn't suck because they've been terrible times in, in the China swing as an American uh, yeah. for years. So I don't miss that. Um, but also, I, I, I'm not going to denigrate that as a reason to move out. Although I do think like tennis could benefit from a less global footprint in a lot of ways. I think being having a stronger base, being more consistent presence in traditional markets of the Americas and Europe there's 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 positives to that too and I, I think tennis we start reaping those as well um just in terms of being having a stronger identity and a stronger tie to those those markets rather than trying to be everywhere all at once i think when you're trying to be everywhere you wind up nowhere and i've sort of said that about tennis for a while and i think this is a moment to think about that yeah we're recording this before the other women's semifinal takes place in guadalajara we're talking between sessions the other one is uh, marie sakari against annette contivate uh they'll play for the other spot in the final to face muguruza I'm sure that match will be great. But I also want to mention to talk about uh, Turin here, which is as an event and sort of what's going on in the men's game. Uh, men's game is well, in a very... Well, go ahead. I was going to say, can we be sure it's in Turin, given that it looks exactly like London? This is immediately, like, one of my questions. Like, what the heck? What are they doing? Like, why? I thought the yeah. London look was tired in London, to be clear. I thought that, like, when the, when the tour finals popped up in London... Uh, the World Tour Finals, WTFs, uh, when they showed up in London from Shanghai, they had this really cool new visual identity of uh, this sort of like electric blue kind of, and black yeah. dark dot screens and it looked very fresh and modern. But then it looked the same for a very long stay in, in London of like, what, 11, 12 years, something like that. And it even by the time I went there in person in 2014, it already felt stale because it was such a specific... Yeah visual that it just it already looked kind of tired i contrast that with paris bercy the other indoor term which i think does a really great job of, of changing up its visuals and staying fresh looking and actually has several times looked if you look at other past years of paris bercy the whole sort of color scheme shifts they do all sorts of really cool in arena lighting things in bercy and it's actually yeah. a really attractive tournament in a lot of ways and would be a great tour finals hosts um but yeah seeing this like same looking thing in turin Especially because Italy's like design country, I was yeah. I was I saw that and I was like, what? Why is what is this? It just felt like stale reheat. Yeah, no, I agree. And, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, it, and it was, I just, yeah. sorry, I'm just saying. Yeah, it was that this was a big opportunity to like I don't know just to to rebrand it to to give yeah 
to, to give something different, anything different. And, to, and they, they have know. done some things, like they did that whole sort of like colonnade fashion walk slow-mo with the boys in their, you know, <laughs> more casual fashionable outfits compared to the whole London like suits, you know, thing they were doing and, and the visuals for the promo. There were some things that were different and, but yeah, visually I would like to see the court look different in 2022. Just, just blow, not the same sort of light blue color um and and same logos and everything just make it make it look unless that's really the best you can do um but i i think there's options for more innovation um and yeah and competitively and again we'll I'll probably have another show to wrapping up the men's season with ricky uh later this month or next month but competitively it's a different field too i mean like it all four slam champs are there uh because it, it's just dope novak and uh and Medvedev, who are very much emerging as the co-alphas on that tour and uh yeah i think it's a, a different sort of feel and a different vibe um and a very young field also that's what they have yeah, in common yeah. very young um, field. Yeah, except, I mean, except for the, djokovic yeah the entire whole djokovic surrounded by children is people who are well not children but people who are at or around like a decade younger than him it's, it's just a funny image and i think a very apt image of men's tennis today where it's not, I mean, it's kind of, as you said, like it's Djokovic and Medvedev, but it feels like Djokovic versus the field. Uh, you know, it's felt like that, at least to me, like, in, in some ways. I think there's a lot but, of distance between each of them. I think it's Djokovic, Medvedev, field. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, but, I was yeah. a terrible visual cue. I was moving yeah. my hand and had a big gap between Medvedev and field, for those of you yeah. not watching this audio program. Sorry. But, I mean, yeah, it just... It's just funny to see kind of none of Djokovic's um, contemporaries or anyone even close to him in age mm-hmm. there. And yeah, he continues to to, to win. And, and it does feel, continue. I mean, I will say also with the, you know, you haven't seen it yet. We've done other shows about it. We have a Patreon show coming out about it uh, later this week where David Vakian and I go through the screenplay of the 2018 version of the screenplay and compare it to the f- finished product uh, of King Richard. There's some very interesting edits and things that happened along the way there. Uh, so that'll be on our Patreon later this week if you're interested in Overflow King Richard content. But um, I got to say, also with this sort of like Williams Legacy project happening uh, this week and, and the sisters being in their 40s and doing red carpets and stuff and bolstering this sort of retrospective on their careers, it does feel like a real sort of, you know, chapter yeah. transition time in tennis in many ways. Uh, and certainly, yeah, WT Asia, if, if this is the end of, of that concept, that strategy, eh, end of an era in all sorts of ways. You know, <laughs> Federer, Nadal, Williams is WT Asia. Those are big names, man. Those are big names to all sort of be uh, <laughs> be be uh, in sort of twilights at all at once. And so it's an interesting yeah. looking tour. It's going to keep on moving. Balls will keep bouncing. And yeah, yeah. Any, any closing thoughts on any of these myriad things we discussed, Tommy? Thank you for being on here. Thank you, thank you for having me. Um, I mean, with the first subject, I, I just say that I'm just very curious to see. I, I mean, as anyone, everyone, what happens next? You know, one, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, I kind of desperately want to see everyone to punctuate to be kind of safe and for us to know that certainly. But and, and like with, with obviously the the obvious comparison is with the NBA and how you know Houston Rockets weren't shown on on CCTV on the, on the yeah. or was it or, or Tencent or the you know the Chinese television channel how they yeah. kind of I mean again censored you know certain teams and yeah. 
you know, continue to do so. I think um, the, the NBA player Cantor, he, I in think, Cantor, yeah. In Escanta, yeah. Um, he's also, you know, the same thing. So I'm curious what, what will happen with, with, with women's tennis. If, again, like, yeah, that, that if they just ignore it or, or if there's, they'll be proactive in, you know, coming down hard on, on women's tennis and just the statement alone is the end, you know. But well, so, so we'll see. Like, that, that's, so, 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 yeah, that's, so, so when, Sorry, I'm going back to the, this whole subject again. But like, Please. so when people, so when people kind of say that, you know, I've, I've seen people kind of critical of the update's response, and but you know, the fact alone that they they kind of went out with the statement that, you know, it, it it's it could have cons- it, you know you would expect it to have cons- consequences for for the tour without them necessarily even taking action themselves. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, and and with the the tournaments um, currently playing now, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd say like the, the the vibes are positive. Like like, even though the the court is stale, I think it's been a nice kind of at the interim. Um, so the first few days have been good environment. I'm I'm happy that the courts are faster than even though some yeah. players aren't. I Shouldn't are always faster. be what about players want. I'm gonna put that out there as a general rule. Yeah. I don't care what players want all the time. I don't care if they like Hawkeye Live or not. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Or I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, let's say it's not that I don't care. It's that it's not all that matters. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Just me being cranky so, at the end of the show. But yeah. 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 So yeah, well, thank you. Tom. Lot, it's, it's been a. It's been a. Since I probably won't be on this again. It's, it's been a long, crazy year that's felt like, compa- no, with, with, with like Australia being in. Sorry, in in February, it's just felt so compact and like something's happening every week, and compact but also almost... like long as hell. Like yeah, remember yeah, when yeah. Paula Bedosa was doing Instagram lives with uh, Marta Kostiuk <laughs> from Quarantine? That was yes. this year. That was in February, yeah, or January, yeah. and and that was this year. And now she's like a totally different person who loses in somewhat of a surprise in the uh, semifinals of the tour yeah. finals. Like totally wild year, long year, fascinating year. Um, and yeah, think about, you know, where it started and where it ended in such different places, even just on court, you know, with like yeah. Naomi beating Serena in a Grand Slam semifinal to then go on and beat Jen Brady. Like, where are those players at all relevantly on tour in the end of the year? They're not around. And and that's obviously all three different, three different reasons. But yeah, just fascinatingly yeah. long epic in the sort of like yeah. war and peace level epic yeah. of, of, a, of a season. <laughs> And, it's a movie and, be like eight parts. Yeah, and I'd say like, you know, I, I I follow a lot of sports and and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of drama everywhere, but I just I'm not sure that sport has had the journey that tennis has had throughout this pandemic, and you know, and this year, and it's kind of just yeah, it, it, it's crazy, crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy period, and it's almost exhausting. At the end I'm ready for it. To yeah, be over, I, I, but... I'm completely exhausted, to be <laughs> but. Um, but it's been but, it's been a ride. Yeah, it's been something. It's been something. I want to thank our Patreon backers who have joined us on this wild ride all season long, and hopefully into the future. Uh, our Snapchat backers who thank every episode: Susanna W, Sean Mulroy, Mary Carillo, Leah Williams, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Jean Simeon, James Hindle, Antonio Maycomer, Anna Valinder, Timothy Liu, and Ashley Keel, and our goat backers: Nicole Copeland, Pam Shriver. 
and J-O-D. Tommy, thank you very much. Any, any speaking of busy years, as, as what music is hitting you these days? Uh, any from, from Joj or from any of the other faves? Just uh, a new album. It's, it's great. You should, should go listen. Well, I'll talk to you. We'll pick a track off that yeah. album if you want to do your vibe. Is there any, uh, yeah, or, we'll figure or, out a, a or, or anything else. sound. I'd, I'd just say support R&B. There's a lot of good R&B music. Listen to it. Thank you. Again, all of our <laughs> non-existent visual viewers this episode will, can see Lauren Hill behind me. Yeah. Who always delights Tommy on these. Yeah. On these <laughs> yeah. some Lauren Hill in there too. Yeah. The, the, the and then Fuji's reunited this year. Yeah, yeah. And then they postponed their tour predictably. Of course. Of course. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, no time to be killing people softly with music. All right. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Small, cause nothing even matters.